Hello, guys. Welcome to the second episode of Backlot Review, part of the Backlot Podcast Network. Last week, we discussed Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 1, titled Winterfell. And that podcast is actually up on iTunes and Spotify right now, as will be the rest of our podcast episodes to come. So go ahead and make sure to follow, sub, rate, and review. If you can, please, we would greatly appreciate it. And you could catch the rest of our podcast episodes on iTunes or Spotify, whichever one you would prefer. So this episode is about Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, titled A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. And this is our review on it. Enjoy. In the name of the warrior, I charge you to be brave. In the name of the father, I charge you to be just. In the name of the mother, I charge you to defend the innocent. Arise, Brienne of Tarth, a knight of the Seven Kingdoms. You know, this was this felt like a textbook Game of Thrones like episode. That's that's all I could really say. Like it was a really good episode. I think it was one of the better episodes of the show. Um. So yeah, I mean that's that's really all I have to say about it. Like we could dive, dive deeper, but yeah, like just like yeah, as general thoughts go on the episode. Like yeah, I really don't know what to say besides like I really liked it. <laughs> um, definitely better than the first episode like way better um but you know as we said like in last week's episode you know it was expected from last week's episode like we expected that we knew what it was going to be for this one um no one really you know we kind of had an idea that we were going to see a lot of character interactions because you know they've been hyping up this episode three winterfell battle basically since production started so we knew there was going to be a lot of um last minute character interactions and stuff wrapping up character threads which we're going to get into a little bit later but um all in all I really like this episode um I think it raised a lot of interesting questions and wrapped up a lot of loose threads uh really nicely so as far as like spoiler free goes <laughs> that's probably going to be like the end of our spoiler-free section, if I'm being I mean, honest. I mean, I would say that this this episode definitely. A lot of people are saying that they didn't like this episode, and a lot of people are saying, "Oh, this is just like a filler episode." And everybody that is saying that, it, you could tell hasn't been watching Game of Thrones not since the beginning, but since the the earlier seasons at least, because this was this was the typical Game of Thrones episode. Not a lot of action, just a lot of like heavy dialogue and heavy character, you know, character development, character plot lines being introduced. That's in, that's interesting that that's interesting that that you say that a lot of people didn't like it cuz honestly from my perspective, I have not met a single person who has disliked this episode. I was seeing on Twitter that a lot of people were just saying it was a filler episode that oh, like let's just get to the battles already, like I don't care about that. Like I care more about these characters. You know. Okay. Like, All right, yeah. Yeah. So, again, like as far as spoiler-free uh, section goes, that's probably going to be it because we're going to talk about the episode in depth starting now. 
So this is spoilers for um, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, Season 8, Episode 2. So if you have not seen that episode, one, go watch it, and then come back to this. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know one thing that was pretty apparent in this episode is that it seemed like almost everyone, almost everyone, had a proper, I don't want to say send-off, but I would um, call it. A, I would call it a send off. Not everyone, but everyone pretty much like has their little like secondary characters. In, in case they die, everyone has their send off already. You know. Uh, okay, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if send off is the right word. I'd say a lot of uh, a lot of like character threads, a lot of plot threads were closed. Like, let me see. Um, Brienne, Brienne's story arc came to a close in this episode. Um, pretty much. Theon's is, mm, I think, Theon's is like starting to close. I think it'll, I think it'll end next episode. Um, Jora, Jora, Grey Worm, uh, Grey Worms ended, um, which I want to get to later. Um, who else? I, I'm drawing a blank here, but I mean, those are the three main ones. Because let's see, like, I mean, I guess Tormund, but what's really Tormund's? Yeah, he's... like development at this point. Like, what's his arc? Like, I, I understood his arc, like, in, in the beginning, when he was first introduced, like, seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and, yeah, 3, 4, 5, and 6. I could understand his character arc there, but now he's just kind of there to... He's just comedic relief. Like, yeah, like, comedic relief, basically. I'm not... That just shows how far, like, the show has come, how this show is not what it was. Yeah, this like, is, writing they're, words. They're trying to appeal more to a general audience, which isn't a bad thing, you know, because uh, they need to make people happy, and the end of the day viewership you know is a big deal but yeah he's just kind of become like comedic relief i don't mind it but it's just it it's very clear that that's what his character has kind of become i'm not saying that is but it's looking like that's gonna end up being you know yeah like don't get me wrong like that whole um like giant's milk scene and and um him um bringing up like the idea of knighting brienne like that's all interesting and that's all really cool from his character, but from a writing and story perspective, like what does he bring to the table now? Because before he was kind of like the spokesperson for the wildlings, and he was the reason that yeah. a lot of the wildlings even went south of the wall with John in the first place. But now, like, what is like what he is there for him to do? Like, yeah. yeah, like. I mean, I don't really see what else he could possibly do, like to progress himself, like to progress his arc and development. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think he's super dead next episode. But <laughs> um, we'll get to we'll get to all that later. So um, I want to talk about the opening scene with Jamie, Jamie's trial. Yeah, I mean, that's. I feel like that scene. If like this, this is season, if this is season one, two, three, or four, this trial it takes like four episodes. I'm just gonna put that <laughs> out there. Yeah, this was a pretty quick trial. This, I'm gonna say this. This shows how. I guess. I'm. I'm trying to think. I think this is more of showing how Daenerys is becoming a very unlikable character. Um, you know, because she starts off saying, you know, the man who killed my father and what we would do to him. Like the whole time that I'm seeing this, I'm like, your father was a terrible person. And you knew he was a terrible <laughs> yeah, person. Like, you knew like, he why? sucked. <laughs> like every everybody knew your father sucked. 
even you knew it. Like, yeah, he killed your dad, but come on. Like, your dad was not the best person. Um, it, it just seems that no one really is on her side at this point. So, I mean, you know. I wouldn't say that like no one's on her side, but um, I think I mentioned this last episode um, that I think a lot of players are going to start switching sides once the once they learn of John's true heritage, it's over for Daenerys. Let me just put that out there. But while no one knows, um, I think this is when people start to start to choose sides. I said that last episode, and I think it, it's very apparent here. And I think you can see that in this trial. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't I don't want to say you can see that in her conversation with Sansa, but I also think it becomes even more apparent just like how like I don't want to say clueless Daenerys is, but She's I feel just like not experienced. Like she wants to be this queen, but I feel like she doesn't really connect with the people. No, not at all. Not at all. You know, like she right now she has no backing of the Northerners. Her, the, I guess her small council, you could say small council. Yeah. It's kind of like realizing like, hey, this girl might kind of suck. And she they doesn't really bow. know what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, she's had so many people telling her, hey, don't fucking roast people alive. And she still yeah. does it. So, I mean, <laughs> I think, I think, I don't think Daenerys makes it through this whole season alive. Um, but again, we'll see. So whatever, we went off topic a bit. So the opening scene with Jamie, um, very short. And I think it's pretty symbolic of season seven and eight in the sense of like how rushed everything is. Yeah. But at the sure. same time, this trial really didn't need to be like four episodes long. Of course so, not. It was just so I'm kind of glad they just... Up. Exactly. Like I'm kind of glad they just got it over with. Um, And I like how Brienne stood up for Jamie. And I didn't realize it then, but it becomes apparent now, once the episode is finished, that this was Brienne's episode. And obviously the, 100%. the title of the episode kind of gives it away too, but hundred percent. This was Brienne's episode. Like she really, really, really shown in this episode. Yeah, for sure. I mean she that's her man right there. So well, Bro, not oh my god. Okay, man, I wanna but... okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I, I wanna say something. I wanna say something. All those Tormund and Brienne shippers really bother me. Like, I don't know. I, and I guess it's because, like, like Jamie is my favorite character. But, bro, no. Tormund and Brienne should not be together. It's just weird. Like, It's not that it's weird. It's, but uh, how many lines have they said to each other? Like, maybe, maybe like, five? Maybe. Yeah. Like, and, and I think five is even, like, pushing it a bit. But, bro, like, oh, okay, I just had to get that out of the way. Sorry. No, yeah, I feel the same way. I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't know why people like it. Um, but it's, it's just weird. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a it's fan of Tormund, it. It's because Tormund is a fan favorite, I guess. And like, yeah, oh, people course. like Jamie, but you know, like Tormund is funny and all that shit. But it's like, I don't know. Like, if they actually do end up like together, or not together, but yeah, if they do end up together, I'd be really mad. Yeah, it's not like I'd, honest, I'd honestly be really upset about it. Okay, all right. So moving on. Uh, basically, Jamie doesn't die. He doesn't get his head cut off or anything. He lives. He gets spared. Um, you know, and then we see 
uh, you know, Jamie and Bran have a little bit of an interaction. A little bit of an interaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a lot more of an interaction. You know, while Jamie's on trial, Bran makes the, you know, the clapback <laughs> comment of the things we do for love. Yeah, that was that I was not honestly not expecting that uh for Bran to say that. But uh <laughs> when he did drop that line, I was like damn. <laughs> damn. Yeah, it and was, then and then we see Bran and Jamie, you know, Jamie apologizes to him later on and basically tells him, you know, sorry. <laughs> I'm not that yeah. person anymore and Bran kind of just explain well <sighs> Bran kind of explains to him like, well, I think he makes a comment. He's like, "Oh, you would still be the same person." if you didn't do it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think he was like I think that was like Brand's way of like like acknowledging like hey bro like you're not really not a bad person like like yeah. besides what you did to me obviously like you're really not this like huge piece of garbage that everyone like paints you out to be. So like don't worry about it. And then I think we also like expected that to happen. Because we basically know that Bran has no emotion anymore. Like he's no longer Bran. He's a three-eyed raven. Yeah, and then Jamie gives him that weird fucking look where he's yeah. like, he's, he's like, I'm the three-eyed raven. He's just like, what? <laughs> like, like, Damn, this, this kid's fucking weird. Yeah. But um, but I think we all kind of expected this reaction from Bran because we know again he has no emotion and he knows that he wouldn't be where he's at right now. That like he wouldn't be the three-eyed raven if it weren't for Jamie. So I knew he wasn't going to hold it against Jamie. I knew he, if he wasn't happy to see John, I knew he was not going to be mad to see Jamie. Yeah, he doesn't care. So, yeah, he, he doesn't care. Oh, all he cares about right now is stopping the White Walkers. Mm -hmm. um, but I still find that, found that interaction really cool because it's the first time we see them together literally since like episode one of the series. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the rest of the, like the rest of that season, Bran is, is in a, like in a coma and Jamie goes up to King's Landing. So that's the first time they share a screen together since episode one. Yeah, that's um, very true. Maybe episode two, but I doubt it. And um, then after that, we have that interaction with Sansa and Daenerys where, yeah, yeah when they're trying to like bond with each other. Um, and Sansa slaps the, what about the North? Oh what yeah. She said the North after you take the throne. Yeah. She hits it with that. What about the North over the head? And then Daenerys is like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just think that shows that first of all, Daenerys is super passive aggressive. Like, yeah, <laughs> it so it, it is like I didn't really like her character throughout the show, and this season is kind of just validating that for me. And I just, ugh, yeah, I don't even, I don't really have a lot of words for her. Really, I think that this scene was revealed more about Sansa. Well, eh, no, okay, I'm not going to say that. Okay, I take that back. But I think that this scene was really good for Sansa as well because I think Sansa's super playing her. I think hmm. she's playing her like a fiddle right now. Um, and Like Littlefinger? Yeah, exactly like Littlefinger. Or exactly like what, like what she thinks Littlefinger would do. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to say Sansa's got something up her sleeve because I don't think she has like some big like plot that she's going to unravel, like, to screw over Daenerys and all that stuff, because, like, quite frankly, that wouldn't help her right now in the situation that she's in. Yeah. But I do think that she is 100% playing Daenerys. Now, for what exactly? I'm not sure. Um, I think we'll see that in later episodes, you know, considering that's if 
Sansa survives episode three, which I think she will. Yeah. But um, I really do think that she is she's playing Daenerys for a reason. Um, whether it's to maintain the North's independence, which is most likely what it is, um, like has yet to be seen, but that's definitely going to come into fruition at like by episode like five. Yeah, uh, I think this is also just showing how Daenerys, you know, she keeps saying, you know, she wants to break the wheel. She wants to, you know, that, that's her right. The throne is her right and all that, but she's not really changing anything. She's just. It, I don't know. It's just it, there's she's nothing new. She's just someone else who wants this throne because she's the rightful heir. Well, as she well, knows. Yeah, she thinks she's the rightful heir. Yeah. So it's just it, it, this is just showing her downfall, I think. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the past two episodes have served to basically just kind of show that Daenerys is losing it. And I think this also shows. Um, I'm pretty sure in the scene after we see Theon show back up in Winterfell, and he's not there to serve Daenerys. He's there to serve Sansa. He yes, and I, I love that. Okay, I'm gonna talk about my boy Theon. Um, so when I first started watching the show, um, I really didn't care for Theon because he didn't really have like a role. He was just kind of like like Ned Stark's ward. So whatever, as the seasons went on, whatever, I hated Theon, and then I started started to feel bad for Theon. But dude, I love Theon right now. He's honestly, honestly, he's probably my second favorite character in the entire show, right after Jamie. And mm. I, I just think he is so well written, and his character arc is so believable. Like a man torn between two families, he doesn't know where his his loyalty lies oh, he's confused um and i think that's really i think that's a really relatable like character i think he makes a really relatable character mm-hmm. um but i love the direction that they've taken him and i think alfie allen is has consistently been probably the best actor in the show if i'm being completely honest i, I really mean, do yeah. think he i really do yeah, think he's, he's put the best on performance yeah, I mean, he's up there for sure. He's definitely up there, especially when he was no longer Theon, when he was Reek. You know, that was very good acting. So, and I think I think the look on Theon's face when he comes back to Winterfell, I, uh, just really says it all right there. Like in, just in that face when he looks at Sansa and and he tells Daenerys that he's here to fight for Sansa or protect Winterfell. Uh, I think he yeah. says something like, "Oh my, oh I already fulfilled like my Greyjoy." part now i need to fulfill like my my promise to the starks and my god i just i love that scene i loved it i think it's also because you know him and sansa kind of went they kind of share like this unspoken bond of hey we've both been through like terrible and horrific things happen to us yeah Um, because of ramsey yeah exactly exactly because of ramsey so i think for him to come back and you know he's trying to make things right again that's you know it shows that his character is you know, his character has changed a lot. So it's really, it's really come a long way. Um, and I think it, it's come a, it's come a long way in a really interesting way. Um, because this development has taken place, like taken over, like really the whole series. Because from a Jamie perspective, um, we kind of always knew 
that Jamie was a good person? Well, not always, mm-hmm. no, but you you really started to see it in season three. And then they kind of had these moments where I thought that they really messed up that progression, uh, particularly in season four. Um, You know, when he rapes Cersei, like, he basically, yeah, he yeah, basically rapes it, Cersei. Like, that's uh, weird, yeah. Yeah, which I really dislike that scene because, uh, one, that's not in the books, or I think it's consensual in the books. But two, I think that's a huge disservice to Jamie's character and his development. Um, so it seems like that that kind of pushed him back. But for the most part, throughout season four, five, six, seven, and now eight, um, it always painted Jamie in kind of like this positive light. Whereas for Theon, you know, he, I don't want to say he sucked, but you know, he was reek. He was He's, reek. Yeah, for, he kind of sucked. He, yeah, basically the past. I wouldn't say he sucked, but. For the past half of season, the back half of season three, all the way up until the last episode of season seven, he was reek. So this progression has taken place over like literally eight seasons, and mm-hmm. now the payoff is starting to hit. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be something really powerful. I think it's going to be a really powerful moment coming in season three, in episode three, which um, I want to get to again at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something big like in store for Theon. Yeah, and then so after that, we basically see the whole you know the round table, the stereotypical you yeah, know the okay, Knights of the, the Round Table, the King yeah. Arthur, and yeah, how they're gonna plan. And then you know, Bran discusses the Night King's intentions, which is you know to kill the Three Eyed Raven. You know, he wants one long night. He wants you know he wants an endless winter. Um, so which I think was already established before. I think. Uh, I don't, I don't know about that. I just think it was, I think it was made clear that those are his intentions, even though I don't really think that's the Night King's full intentions. Yeah. I don't think that's really what he's doing. Yeah. Cause if on. that's it, then it's like, come on, like, you know? Yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty, like, I don't want to say uninteresting villain, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty uninteresting if I'm being honest, if all he wants to do is create a long night. And then we have, you know, we have this. You know, a little dialogue by, you know, Sam basically talking about, you know, if, if he wanted to destroy history, you know, he would kill Three-Eyed Raven that, you know, that's death, you know, not remembering anything. So I think that was a good little, you know, reference to make. I'm not really justifying it, but uh, yeah, I really like how Sam has, you know, progressed as a character, especially in this season and how he's going to be very that's another, important. That's, a, that's another great character development in the show. Um, For sure. He's a great character, um, and I really like that scene because there's a lot of like little interactions that I didn't really know that I wanted. Like Jamie and John talk for the first time since season one, episode one, not mm-hmm. counting the trial beforehand. Yeah. Um, you have Theon. Well, but Theon already spoke to Jamie. But basically, you know, Theon. Okay. Well, first of all, let's talk about Bran before we get to Theon, but Bran basically says the Night King is coming after me, so let's draw him out. Yeah. Once John mentions the fact that the best way to probably win this fight is to just kill the Night King off the bat, just basically just rush him. Mm-hmm. Then they realize, hey, it might be a little hard to get to him. So then Bran says, hey, he's after me. Um, I'm going to wait at the gods would and then let him come to me and kill me. And then we'll we'll take that. We'll seize that opportunity and try to kill him. So whatever, basically, Bran basically wants to use himself as bait, which honestly is probably not the worst idea. Yeah. 
you know, then Theon offers to protect him. Uh, yeah, and then Theon offers to protect him in the Godswood. Um, which, again, I think is really powerful. Um, but that whole scene is relatively short. Not super short, but shorter than I would have liked it. I thought it was going to be a really long scene, to be honest. I thought yeah, it was going to take up the majority of the episode. But they basically, like, realize that, hey, we're, we're pretty much screwed. This is, like, our only plan. So I guess <laughs> let's do it. Like, I guess. Yeah. Um, And then I believe after that, is that when Arya and the Hound and Beric reunite? Like, right after yep. that scene, I think. Yeah, they have their little, you know, their little and, interaction. And I, And honestly, I thought that that interaction was really... I thought that interaction was much better than the previous Arya and Hound interaction. Yeah, because it's because more personal. It's a more personal connection. It's you know, much more personal. And then when the Hound says, um, when Arya basically tells the Hound, like, when was the last time you fought for something? And then the yeah. Hound tells her, oh, I fought for you once. I thought, I thought, that, was, I thought that was really touching, like, in like a... Like a houndy sort of way. I thought that. Like, yeah, I mean, it shows that he obviously cares for her, you know, as much as he doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, that was probably like like the most affection we've seen the hound give in the whole mm. series. Um, and I think, I'm, and I'm really glad it was for Arya in general because their dynamic in season four was really, really interesting and fun to watch. And we could definitely see how much the hound rubbed off on her, like yeah. in, in in these past few seasons. So I thought yeah, that was then, really cool. And then after that, we have the scene of Arya and Gendry. So. Oh, yeah, we have the Arya and Gendry. How did you feel about that? Because a lot of people felt, like, very uncomfortable. And, like, what I have to say about that is, is I mean, first of all, I mean, yeah, I guess she's a woman now. She, You know, women have sex. Like, it's not, it's nothing crazy. But it's also, I think it, it shows that, first of all, the Stark women have had terrible relationships with men, specifically Sansa. You know, so are we counting Ned? No, no, yeah, we're not going to count Ned because okay, so we're only talking about basically like Sansa, Sansa, Arya, you know, John. John's had two love interests, which went. I'm not going to say smoothly, but you know, they weren't they weren't as bad as Sansa. Oh, you're talking about like all the Starks in general? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. no. I, I think this is good because it's finally showing like Stark women like. I'm not going to say empowerment, but it's it's not showing them, you know, sexually in like a negative way. It's showing them kind of like in control of their relationship for like the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly what it's showing. Yes, she is in control, you know. So I, I, I liked it. I thought it was, you know, it was good. Like, okay. Now this scene, um, I'd say this scene is probably the most talked about scene in the, in the entire episode. I didn't have a problem with the scene. But I did think it was weird at first, but only because we have seen Arya grow exactly. throughout the series, and we started following her as a little girl. So there were a lot of unanswered questions about Arya's age in the show leading up to this episode. Like I don't think her age was ever really addressed before this episode. And I think this episode kind of has her like showing drinking, which might have been like their way of showing the audience like hey don't worry she's of age yeah but i don't think that that was established enough to make it not weird because the whole time i was watching this scene i was thinking hey wasn't isn't she like 15 
No. But I, I, yeah, like, but that's someone pointed out to me. Like, no, she's like, I don't know how old she is in the show, but in real life, she's like 22, 23. I think she's supposed to be like 18 or 19 in the show. Yeah, but my problem is that that wasn't established enough. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, yeah, I that think that, yeah, yeah, that definitely enough. wasn't established for people, and that's what made it uncomfortable for people. But, I mean, besides that, like... Like, uh, I didn't have a problem with the scene itself. It was just more of how, I guess, it sort of happened. Or mm-hmm. so, even then, like, that's not really the way to put it. I just wish that her her age was established enough so that it wouldn't have been really weird the first like, couple seconds that this scene was going on. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I really like Andrea as a character. And I really like Arya. And all the memes that have come out of this have been really, really funny. Yeah, they so, have. They've been solid. Solid. But all, but all in all, like I don't have a I don't really have a problem with the scene. Yeah, neither did just I. Just besides just besides what I mentioned, I, I don't have a problem with it. Um and I think it kind of ties in to the next scene in the episode, which takes up a bulk of the episode, which is a collection of characters sitting around the fireplace. And I think these the dualities of these two scenes basically showing like these are our last moments. Let's yeah. be with the ones we love in our last yeah. moments. So that's the fireplace scene. And we have yeah. Tyrion, we have Jamie, we have Brienne, Podrick, Sir Davos, and, and Tormund. Tormund. Yeah. And I thought that scene was really strong because it is writing of Game of Thrones. I don't want to say at its best, but at the best it's been in a while. With all these sure. characters interacting with each other and sharing stories and unwinding. That's what Game of Thrones is about, you know? 100%. And these characters are just sharing these last moments with each other before they head off into battle. And I thought it was really, like, beautiful mm-hmm. in a sort of way. Um, we finally particularly, see when Brienne gets knighted. Absolutely. Which... If I'm being completely honest, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire show. Not yeah. just like this season or this episode, in the entire show. I thought that scene was incredibly powerful and really beautiful. Um, not just from Jamie and and Brienne's perspective, but really from Tormund too. Um, so way to go, Tormund. You know, for sticking <laughs> up for women's rights and, and, and equality. <laughs> no, I but I, it was, it was a really, really good scene. What I also really liked is when they were talking about her being knighted and she's saying, oh, I don't want to be a knight and all that. It always cuts to Podrick and that scene where Jamie's like, all right, let's let's go. Like, let me knight you, basically. And you see Podrick kind of give her that look like, like, yo, like, like you wanted this. Yeah, like you're deserving of it. You want this, like, do it. And it's really cool seeing seeing how she relies so much or how she leans so much on, on Podrick's opinion because I think that that duo is is low key one of the better duos in the show, Podrick and Brienne. You know they really have come a long way, and Brienne really has shown Podrick a lot. And even when you go back to earlier in this episode, you know we didn't speak about the first scene with Brienne and ja- or the second scene with Brienne and Jamie, yeah. when um, Brienne basically reveals that she's in charge of the left flank for the battle, yeah. and Jamie tells her, "I'd be I'd love to serve under your command." Um, and you basically see Podrick sparring with other warriors, and you see really how far Podrick has come, and that's under Brienne's like tutelage. Yeah, you know, Brienne really did teach 
Podrick a lot. And, you know, Tyrion a little bit too, but I'd say that most of that comes from Brienne because we're led to believe that he spent way more time with Brienne than with Tyrion. Although you do still see the respect Podrick has for Tyrion uh, in the little campfire scene. Mm-hmm, but um, sure. I really like how, how far that that relationship has come, especially since at first Brienne wasn't so sure about having a squire back in season four when she leaves King's Landing. Yeah, um, and now, now they're best buds. Not best buds, but, you know. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really close friends. Yeah. They're, they're extremely close friends, and um, I really like that. And um, I just thought that that nighting scene in in general was just really, really beautiful. Um, and I'm so glad that it was Jamie to do it. I'm really, really glad it was Jamie who did it. Um, I thought the music in the background was, was really beautiful. Um, yeah, but... Just, I think Just the best general. part, the best part about that scene, I don't know if it's Brienne, but ah, Podrick, man, the voice of an angel. Oh, yeah. When um, they're talking, when Tyrion brings up, hey, and I just want to say that that scene is straight from Lord of the Rings. Like, it gave like you that could, vibe, right? Like, they couldn't have, have made the influence like any clearer. It was 100% <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Like, I was, I was just thinking of Pippin singing to uh, the steward of Gondor and Return of the King, um, like just over and over in my head while that was happening. Um, still a great scene, though. Um, Podrick is a man of many talents, clearly. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was nice. It was cool, especially as the camera switched from character to character in these final moments. And I guess fantasy epics really love doing that that one character sings while we pants other characters' reactions about their impending doom sort of trope. But hey, yeah. it works, clearly. Yeah, it, it was works. well done. It was well done. Um, and Patrick has a, a really nice singing voice. Yeah, I was, I was actually really surprised. He has a very, he has a very good voice. Um, <laughs> that, that whole singing scene was very powerful. Um, and while we're still on the topic of the campfire scene, I thought... Um, like we mentioned earlier, I thought Tormund's story was hilarious, and I don't want to say much needed, but it was cool to have a little bit of comedic relief and another one. Pretty heavy time. episode. This yeah. episode was pretty heavy. Um, yeah, this so episode's nice definitely preparing everybody for hey, like a lot of people are gonna start dying. Like, like hey, half of you are dead next episode, so enjoy. Like yeah, the I mean, last moments you have. Yeah, basically. That's basically what it is. So, th- yeah, this episode was just a setup. It was just a setup to pre- mentally and emotionally prepare everybody, have everybody say not their goodbyes, but, you know, close close off some characters. Just So if they die, it's okay. Not that it's okay that they die, but, but they like, die. Story-wise, story yes. wise, like they serve their purpose, which is their, fine. Their watch has ended. Let's say that. Yes, absolutely. Their watch has ended. <laughs> and that reminds me also, um, we completely skipped over the scene. Um, the Night's Watch reunion between oh, Ed, John, yes. and Sam. I thought I thought it was really it was really nice too. I thought it was a and ghost the reunion. Don't forget ghost. Oh yeah, ghost for like two seconds. <laughs> um, well, okay, I want to talk about ghost now. Um, that kind of bothered me, honestly. Why that he was there? That he was there for so little, and he was there like in the background. Um. But I think that's trying to make us believe that Ghost has kind of been in Winterfell, like with John already for some time since he wasn't focused on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, like them trying to tell us, like, hey, Ghost has been with John. We don't need to give them a reunion. 
But, I mean, I just want to see more Ghost, if I'm being honest. Like, I just want to see Nymeria and Ghost again. Because Nymeria's still out there. Although... Yeah, I don't think she's although, coming back, though. I don't think she's coming back because it makes sense. Like, for Arya's character. In the way that she yeah. said her goodbyes to Nymeria. But, go, like... For Ghost, I think he... I think he sh- really should be included in the next episode in this battle. I think they owe it to him and us. Because, man, they really kind of shafted these direwolves. Because the direwolves are so important to the Starks, especially in the books. Yeah. And then they, they just kind of... Like, they didn't have the budget for it, I guess. But Yeah, their importance has just kind of died. Yeah, and, and honestly, it really sucks. Because they are really, really important. But yeah. um, I thought that Night's Watch scene with Ed, Sam, and, and John overlooking... You know the the battlefield, the soon to be battlefield of Winterfell, um, was really nice. I thought that it was, was like um, their little that was like their moment. little campfire scene. Also, it was just them, you know, getting ready. Like yeah, hey, and those are the last remaining named Nights Watch nice. members, I think. Yeah. So everyone else, I think, is is dead of the important Nights Watch characters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone else that was important or that we know of is dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was it was I really like that scene. Honestly, I really enjoyed yeah. it. That and was then, one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, of course, we end the episode with John telling Daenerys, because how else would we end the episode? <laughs> when John tells Daenerys down in the crypts, when he's looking at the crypt of Lyanna Stark, mm-hmm. and Daenerys is like consoling him, like, she was so beautiful. Hey, I'm sorry my brother raped her, dude. And then yeah, he's kind of like, nope, that's that, that's not what happened. <laughs> he's like, actually. he's like, uh, yeah, wrong. Um, they actually <laughs> loved each other, and I'm their baby, like I'm their yeah. son. And it's kind of just like, man, if I was Daenerys, it would kind of just be like, wow, how convenient that the only people in the world who know the biggest secret is your brother, who's a weirdo, and your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, and she asked him. She asked him. He's like, hey, uh, can you cite your sources? Yeah. And then, and then, uh, but it's funny how Daenerys is so quick to believe Bran in like almost everything, at, like every other situation. But then when it's against her, she's kind of like, uh, "Yeah, you need to chill, bro." But, yeah, I think also that when he, you know, told her who he really was, um, her reaction was kind of just she took it kind of. I don't know. She was very defensive, so she was like, "Oh, so you're the rightful heir?" You know. Yeah, you're she the says. One. She says that would make you like the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. I think she's. I think she says not exactly, but she says something along those lines. Yeah, and I think that also shows a lot about how her character in general, how her character is kind of her character just has a goal. She wants to be sitting on the Iron Throne, and she's not going to let anyone stop her. Um, me personally, I don't really know if John will want the Iron Throne. I think he eventually will end up being the king. Yeah, I agree, but. Yeah, I think it, this is this just just leading up to well, I think next episode we aren't really going to get any clarification on on what's happening because next episode is going to be a giant battle. So I think we're going to have to wait till episode four, most likely. Yeah, and I actually think I called this last episode. I believe I I called this that this episode is going to end with John telling Daenerys about the hair about his heritage, but it gets cut off when you know the Night King's forces arrive at Winterfell. And it won't be addressed until episode four. I'm like 90% sure that I, I call this. So pat, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. But um, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I like the way it was done. Um, I kind of care more about this than I do about the White Walkers and the Night King and all that. If I'm being honest, I don't really. I mean, yeah, I care about the Night King, but 
you know, I, I watch Game of Thrones for the characters and I like them. I'm more, I, I care more about, okay, like what's going to happen? Like what's, you know, what's, what's about to go down with these characters? How's everyone going to react? And there's been a lot of theories about how Daenerys is going to handle this next episode. I read a theory uh, saying that they think that while Jon is like fighting, that she's going to send one of the dragons to kind of like burn the forces around Jon, like to save him, but also burn him in the process to test his Targaryen blood. Because if he burns, I guess like their thought process is if Jon dies and burns, obviously he's not a Targaryen, but I don't know if it's been established that I, I don't feel think like that's, all Targaryens are resistant to fire. I think it's I just feel like that's a little bit. I feel like that's a little bit way too fan fiction-y. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that'd be really dumb. Um, but I really honestly would not put it past Daenerys to make such a stupid decision, honestly. So it's believable, but still dumb at the same time. I don't think it's going to happen personally. But um, I do think that Daenerys is definitely going to have some sort of conflict with Jon during the battle i think she's gonna have some doubts and some i don't want to say ideas but i do think that her knowing his true heritage is going to come into play directly in this in this big battle of winterfell in some form or another yeah i mean possibly and you know the episode then ends with you know we see the white walkers yeah we see the white walkers without the night king exactly and that makes me question is the night king even there is okay, he I'm gonna, is this right, is this like you know is he there who knows okay i gave my hot take i gave one hot take last episode i'm gonna give another hot take this episode um i do not think that the night king is there i think the night king think went either i think the night king went straight to king's landing i think okay i'm gonna give predictions for my next for next episode i think the night king went straight to king's landing and he's going to siege King's Landing since he, you know, he has a dragon. Um, maybe he's going to take a few forces. Um, he's going to siege King's Landing and completely decimate it. Kyburn dead, Cersei dead, the Mountain dead. Uh, all of these people are dead. Um, I think that our allies in Winterfell save the day because Melisandre shows up last minute, a la Knights <laughs> of the Vale and Riders of Rohan. Mm-hmm. I think Melisandre shows up last minute with other um, red priestesses and priests. Um, and I think that she's going to be like one of the deciding factors. I'm not, sh- I'm not saying she's going to be the deciding factor, but I think she's going to be one of them yeah. that ends up saving the day for our heroes. And I think our heroes survive this and either notice the Night King isn't there or realize that he's in King's Landing. Um, I mean... I think, yeah, they're going to realize he's not there. They're going to march south on King's Landing and find it destroyed. I don't know if that's going to be next episode, but I do think that they march south to King's Landing and find it messed up. Um, and I think Jamie kills Zombie Cersei. The Hound kills Zombie Mountain. And then I do think they blow up King's Landing with wildfire. Because hmm. everyone in there is dead anyways. So yeah. like, what do they have to lose besides, I guess, the city itself? They lose the Iron Throne. That's what they lose. Yeah, um, but <laughs> even then, like people still like kind of figure that the Iron Throne wouldn't be around until yeah. the end, of, like by the end of the series. I mean, so, I don't, I don't, I don't really have any predictions just because at this point, I don't even know. Like, I've, I've kind of just stopped giving for like what I think is going to happen next episode and just let it happen because 
anything I predict is probably going to be wrong. So, so I'd rather just watch it play out, you know? Yeah, I guess. Um, but I am going to ask you to predict who dies next episode. All right, let's have a little bit of a death pool then. Okay. Hmm. People who I think will die next episode. Here we go. Okay, number one on the on, number one on the death list is Theon. For sure, he really? is fucking dead, dead, wow. dead, dead. I have, dead, I have Grey unfortunately. Worm. I have Grey Worm number one. Grey Worm, he's dead. He's. I put he's Grey dead. Worm number two, honestly, and the reason I put Theon number one is because it's so fitting for his arc. You know, he lied to everyone and said he killed Bran Stark, and now he's gonna die defending him and saving him. And I think that's so powerful i think that's so beautiful I, i'm on, honestly bro i'm probably gonna cry if theon dies if i'm being honest i'm so invested in his character okay um, so i think he's number one okay so i think i don't i don't necessarily agree on theon but i wouldn't be surprised if he, i'm 50 50 on that i do I think, think gray worm is like a close number two though i think like gray worm is pretty like set in stone he's gonna die i think jorah most likely gonna die I think Jorah's. I think Jorah's also dead. I think he's super dead. Um, Barrick. I think Barrick is dead. Barrick, yeah, Barrick's dead. Like, what else is Barrick gonna Maybe. do? Okay, I thought about Brienne because, um, obviously, you know, she just had her episode, so it makes sense for them to kill her off. Mm-hmm. But i don't want her to because if you remember in season five when jamie tells braun he wants to die in the arms of the woman he loves mm-hmm. obviously that's not cersei um and i really wanted to be brienne however that only happens if jamie dies first and that would mean jamie dies in this episode and i think jamie still has a lot of story left in him you know with the whole cersei and like situation going on mm-hmm. so i don't think brienne dies in this episode Although I wouldn't be surprised if she did. I'd honestly be a little upset about it. I don't think she dies in this episode. I think um, if Jamie does die, I think Brienne will be around for it. And I think Jamie's last moments will be with Brienne. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So no, I don't think she dies. Uh, and actually a dark horse who I have of dying is Bran. Hmm. That's a dark horse. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my dark horse. Um, I say, I say Davos. Oh yeah, he's. I think he's dead too. Yeah, I forgot to mention him. I think. He's oh dead. really? You think? Yeah, he's, really? you think I think he's, he's dead. dead? Yeah, for some reason, like I'm not just, even dark horse level territory. You just think he's dead? Like Trado? I, I think he's gonna die. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think it actually. I don't know, but he's just one of those characters that I think he's dead. Like, he keeps talking about, I've survived, you know, this battle, and I did this without really having to fight. And it's like, well, you're going to have to fight now, dude. So Okay, okay, all right, I take it back. I take my dark horse back. <laughs> I'm going to put Tormund in the, in the dead category, like 100% dead. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put Gilly as my dark horse. Huh. Interesting. That's a random person, but at the same time, it's... Okay, all right. All right, I guess we're going to see what happens. Just watch, man. <laughs> uh, anything, any like last, uh, like last second remarks you want to make? Any comments before we, we end this episode? Uh, no, not really. I mean, other than we're going to be fil- not filming, we're going to be recording a Avengers Endgame podcast tomorrow. So we're seeing it tonight on, you know, we're recording this on when, you know, Thursday the 25th. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, stay tuned. 
because uh, we have a few episodes coming out. We have Avengers Endgame coming out very, very soon. Oh, you can listen to that on Spotify and iTunes because we're actually on Spotify and iTunes now inside the backlot on both. Yep. So um, remember, uh, follow, subscribe, review, uh, rate us, please. We'd appreciate it immensely. Um, so we have an Avengers Endgame podcast coming out soon, hopefully by Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and next week we're going to have a Game of Thrones, um, season eight, episode three review, which should be a really good one considering there's going to be a lot happening. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think that's it for, for this episode. Um, make sure to follow us on, on Twitter at inside Backlot on Twitter. Um, and make sure to, uh, catch us on iTunes and Spotify at inside the Backlot. So this is Steven and Nick uh, signing off and we'll see you guys next week.